Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Pretty familiar passage of scripture, right? Go to the third chapter of Genesis and let's see what happens. Verse number six of Genesis three. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. <laughs> so God said in Genesis 2, don't eat or you die. And they figured they had a better idea. They were tempted and they said, nah, we'll eat. Okay, pretty simple. Everybody gets that. Now look down at verse number 23 of the third chapter, Genesis 3, verse number 23. Therefore. The Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So we see in Genesis 2, don't eat or you die. Genesis 3, they ate. The end of Genesis 3, seems like they walked out of the garden alive to me. <laughs> so what's that about? A couple of things. One, we all understand, I would hope you understand, that there's a spiritual death that occurs. There's a separation between man and God because of the fall of sin. God commands us to do some things, and we don't do them, and we don't die physically. But because of our sin, that death, that separation from God is there. Well, what does that have to do with law and grace? Well, in Genesis chapter 2 and in Genesis chapter 3, was the, was the law there? It wasn't. It wasn't there. But you know what did show up in the garden? The grace of God. The grace of God. Because God could have struck them down in death, and he would have been righteous in doing it. He could have done that. But you know what showed up instead? God's grace. God's grace. All the way back to the beginning in the garden, we see the grace of God. Our God is gracious and he saves people by grace. And I'm going to be going somewhere with this message and it'll all tie in at the end. But do you see back in Adam and Eve what covered Adam's sin? Yes, God made a covering for them physically, but what showed up? What covered them? the grace of God? The grace of God. And we have to remember to be gracious. Because when you're in a Bible teaching church or a Bible believing church, you know what you're going to learn? You know what I'm going to learn? 
as I study the Bible and as you study the Bible, you're going to learn stuff about God and about the Bible that you either didn't know before or other people don't know. And we need to be careful that we don't lose that image of God that we should re, we should be retaining in our witness, which is the graciousness. Do we teach? Do we teach and preach and witness to people that they need to be saved by works or grace? By grace, right? Well, it's going to be really, really hard for somebody to understand that, just because the world we live in, and they're so tainted with sin. We've seen that in Romans one. But it's going to be hard for them to get a, a hold of salvation by grace. If we as Christians aren't gracious, <laughs> right? I mean, that's our witness. That's our testimony. We need to we need to have some grace. God showed up in the garden. There was no law, but you know what was there? The grace of God. No, uh, let's go to Genesis chapter six. And verse number 22, Genesis chapter six. Uh, no, actually started verse eight. But Noah, God's going to destroy. He said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. We see that in verse number seven and then verse number eight. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Was there any Mosaic law back in Genesis six? It wasn't there. It wasn't there. But you know what was there? The grace of God. God's grace. Look at verse 22. Thus did Noah. You know who didn't question God? Noah. How did Noah act? By faith. Salvation is by grace through faith. Noah acted out of the faith. Noah acted out of faith. He put faith. He believed what God told him to do. There wasn't any law there. But God's grace was there. Look at verse number, uh, uh, oh, go back to Genesis chapter number two. Now, whether you um, whether you see it this way or not see it this way, I'm going to draw out a broader point that I think we can all agree with. But look at Genesis chapter number two, or uh, chapter number two, verse number six. Um, and every plant, Genesis two, uh, verse number five, and every plant of the field, Genesis two, five, before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was not a man to till the ground. So it seemed like God had not caused it to rain. Yet the word rain shows up. And then it says in verse six, but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Now, this is something interesting to, to, to think about or explore when you look at faith and Noah finding grace. What if there was no rain? How do you move? How do you move forward by faith if, if, if everything's being watered from the earth up? And God tells Noah something that I'm going to flood the earth and it's going to come down. It's raining. It's going to flood the earth. You know what? You know what Noah didn't do? He didn't question God. Now, if that's true, if there wasn't any rain and it was just being watered from 
the springs of the ground, you got to admit that's some faith. <laughs> now, if we've been seeing rain and we're understanding rain and we live in Tennessee <laughs> and, and we know the creeks are going to overflow. Oh, yeah, sure. It's easier to trust God because we've seen it. Now, whether you think there was rain before or after the flood isn't the point I'm trying to park on. What I'm trying to park on is if that was the case, trying to draw out the magnitude of the faith that Noah had. Okay, I'm not going to be dogmatic on that, but I am going to be dogmatic about by faith, by faith, by faith. Uh, Genesis chapter number seven. Look at Genesis seven. Look at verse number four. Genesis 7, verse number 4, for yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah questioned God. No, he didn't. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. If Noah did understand what rain was, he still didn't question the Lord. He didn't try to understand all that the Lord was trying to tell him or command him. He just simply by faith trusted what the Lord had told him to do. And isn't it so many times. We know the Lord's telling us to do something because it's just clear we've seen it. When we get into a situation and we know what the answer is, because we know the Bible well enough, but we question the Lord. We question the Lord by faith, by faith. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah didn't have to understand everything, but what was revealed to him by God, Noah believed God. And that is where uh, that's what I'd like us to get a hold of. We need to believe God. Verse number five, let's read that again. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. With no Mosaic law. It wasn't there in the garden and it's not there in the flood. Go to first Peter. And from the fall to the flood, 1500 years or so, you've got no law. No Mosaic law at all. But you've got grace. You've got grace. First Peter chapter number three. Watch what it says. First Peter three, verse 20. Which sometime were disobedient. When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The eight souls that were saved by water, were they wet or dry? Not an ounce of water hit them. So when these guys want to go back and use this verse 
and go back to Noah and talk about salvation by water, when you go and run the verse, they were completely dry. And they were saved by God's grace. God could have destroyed the whole ark. What do you think? He can't throw down the lightning and throw down a storm that will just break the whole ark apart? Of course he could. But he didn't. Why? Because grace showed up. God's grace. No law. Grace. It's right there. You know who did perish? Everybody else. And you know how they perished? By being immersed in water. And you know how people are going to perish? By being immersed in water and trusting that as their salvation. You can't trust in water to be saved. You must trust and believe God, not water. And God, by his grace will save you outside of anything you and I can or can't do. Go to Genesis chapter number 12. This is the unconditional Abrahamic covenant. Genesis chapter 12, verse number three. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And thee shall all family and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's God's unconditional promise to Abraham and his seed. Now go to Genesis 15. Let's look at some qualifying details of this of this covenant. Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord, verse one, came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. God's given grace. The reward is God. God is thy great reward. Keep reading. and Let's see what rules Abram followed. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he saith unto them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and counted it to him for righteousness. What commands did Abram obey? What laws did he keep? What statutes did he prove that God, see, I, none. You know what he did? God told him a bunch of stuff that he probably didn't understand. Yeah, you look up and see some stuff and then. But he believed God. It was counted in him to righteousness. 
you talk to these people and you try you try to tell them, look, we're concerned about your soul. Well, can you explain every bit of the soul to me, please? No, I can't. Sorry. Do you see that bent toward, I just don't want to believe the things of God? You have to admit, we as Christians, we believe some wacky stuff. <laughs> We're going to be raptured and fly through the sky and then be able to go wherever the Lord goes and scientifically prove that. We'll spend our whole life trying to do it. We'll never exhaust it. You mean to tell me some virgin was conceived by the Holy Ghost? Prove it to me. I can't. I can just declare what the word of the Lord says. You either believe it or don't believe it. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest. I don't believe that. Okay, well, then you're condemned. We can't scientifically prove a lot of the things that we believe. But that doesn't make it not true. It just means that salvation is by grace through faith. And these lost people, they don't apply that same concept with anything else in their life. Well, I'm not going to step on the brake at this stop sign because... I need to understand exactly how that brake system is going to work and the calipers and all that. And but nobody does that. We just step on the pedal, and it works. And it worked. His belief was counted for something. And God gives grace. Genesis chapter 15, look at verse number seven. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee of her of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. For God so loved the world that he gave. Genesis 15, 7, look, watch it. I am the Lord that brought thee out, who brought him out, the Lord, to give thee this land, who gave the land, the Lord. Abraham didn't earn the land. Abraham didn't buy the land. Abraham didn't put a down payment on the land. God's grace. And it's right there, and there's no Mosaic law. From the flood to the covenant, what, 400 or so years, no, another 400 or so years, no law. Now let's go to Exodus chapter 19. And we'll look at the law. Exodus 19. Verse number five. Uh, let's see if I can read it this way. Uh, I'll try my best to draw this out. Uh, Exodus 19, look at verse 5. Now, therefore, if. Now, watch at the middle of the verse. Then ye shall be. Everybody see that? You got an if and you got a then. You know what that means? There's a condition. That's different than what we were just looking at. Unconditional God's promise that we just looked at. Now we've got some conditions on the Mosaic law. Now, therefore, verse five, if ye will obey my voice indeed 
and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. You know what we see in verses 5 and 6? There was a definite obligation on the part of the nation of Israel for them to do. They were, they were, it was an obligation there. Look at verse number seven. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. So Moses goes out and he tells everybody. Verse eight, and all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They agreed. God says, "There's good." Here, here's, here's, here's it. Here it is. And the, Moses brings to the people. People say, "Okay, uh, we agree." And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. They were to be a separate nation, and God wanted them to do all of these things. So that all the other people and all the other nations would look at them and say, they worship different. They worship God. And they were supposed to do it, one reason, to be completely separate from everybody else. Now, to make some practical application, why are we so concerned with, with what the world does? I... I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or what, but I just don't really care what the world thinks. I just don't. I care what the Bible says. I care what uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ think. I, I care what my church family thinks. I care what my wife thinks. I care what my kids think. I, I, I care. I just don't care what the world thinks. I just don't. And we are a pilgrim people. We are strangers here. We certainly are peculiar people. To the world we Amen. Amen. But Nexus 19, we get Exodus 20, we get these commands. It was a condition. If you obey, you get blessed. If you don't obey, you don't get blessed. Uh, go to uh, Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. And this is the passage with all the blessings and, and, and the curses. Um, and it shall come to pass, Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, if thou shalt hearken diligently, listen diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Blessed shall be in the city, blessed shall be the fruit of the body, uh, the cattle increase, the flocks of the sheep. Verse five, blessed be thy basket and thine store. Verse number six, blessed shalt uh, thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. Uh, verse seven, Lord shall call thy enemies to rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. 
verse number eight, Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses. And Lord, verse 12, shall make thee plenteous in goods and the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the fruit of thy ground, and the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers. You obey God, fruit's going to be abundant, cattle's going to be abundant, ground is going to be abundant. God's going to take care of you. He's going to bless that nation physically. It's all physical. You do this, then you get this. You keep going, the curses come. Uh, verse 16, uh, well, uh, verse 15, but, if, but it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Curse shall thou be in the city. Field, verse 17, basket, the store, 18, fruit of the body, the land, your flock. Verse 18, the ground. Verse 20, the Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke, and all that thou settest thine hand unto for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. We've got pestilence of land coming up. You've got fever in verse number 22, mildew. Uh, all of this stuff has to do with physical curses. And all of these prosperity phonies take the promises that God gave the nation that were physical in nature, and they apply them to New Testament Christianity, and they mess the whole thing up because what they preach is truth misplaced which makes it error go ahead and say your prayer Jabez all you want you're not Israel go ahead and pray all the prayers you want there's no guarantee you're getting crop but if the nation obeyed the commands that God gave them they'd get some crop they wouldn't get sick. They were blessed physically. It was a conditional, it was a conditional covenant or agreement that the nation agreed to. It was very upfront. God and Moses and the people and the whole thing. They were blessed physically. I want you to be blessed physically. I want to be blessed physically. I don't want to have to live. Like some missionaries that I know that go and live a certain way. That's a very lower social class than we are used to and accustomed to. But if you had to. You didn't sin. It's not because you sinned against God. And if God doesn't give you a Bentley. It's not because you're a sinner. It's because you're broke and I'm broke. That's why. <laughs> okay. It's, not, it's got nothing to do with sin. Like, you know, unless you're lazy, you don't want to work. But, but you know, you know what I'm, I'm talking about. It's not, I want you to be blessed spiritually. And I would hope you would want me to breath, be blessed spiritually and not get caught up in this baloney of this prosperity, health, and wealth. You're not promised good physical health. What do you think? Zach and Jennifer are sinning and that's why they've got COVID-19 and are sick? Come on. 
Where are all these faker phony balonies at the hospital? They're not there because they can't do nothing for you except lie to you and take your money and use your money to gather it up and buy a medication. It's not, it's not biblical. But we see blessing and cursing based on obedience or disobedience. Hope we get that. Deuteronomy 4. Deuteronomy 4, verse number 1. Deuteronomy 4, 1. Now, therefore, hearken, O Israel. Very obvious, the context. Unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you. So who was it given to? Israel. The scope of the, okay, judgments I teach you. For to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Now, was this individual in scope or was it national in scope? Here, oh. Oh, Israel, it's national in scope, even though the individuals of that nation would be called upon to obey. But this is national in scope. And how are they going to get along in that nation? If they agree to obey the law which God gave them all to govern them and their land. And then they would get along because people have to be governed. And it was all physical and national in scope. Look at verse two. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish it aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. And if you keep all the commands, your soul will be saved. Obviously, I'm reading into the text. It has everything to do with land and physical law keeping for physical blessings. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peori. For all the men that followed Baal Peori, that was a false god of the Moabites. God warned them, he told them, don't you mix with those people. And they committed sexual and spiritual idolatry, and God's judgment came upon them. You know what he says? Don't do that again, or my judgment will come down on you. Now, to make some practical application, you young people, I know boys... You think girls have cooties now, girls, you think boys have cooties now, but you're not going to think that someday. But just like Eve saw something, <laughs> you start mixing with this world and this worldly crowd that hates God, don't want to go to church, don't want to sing the hymns of the faith, think Bible preachers and teachers are fanatics. I would run as fast as you can the other way because they will do nothing but take you down. And you will not be blessed spiritually. You will be held captive as a prisoner for the rest of your life here on earth. And if you're saved, the best you got is salvation eternally. And in the meantime, you're going to have some wicked Jezebel wear you out, fellas. Ladies, you're going to have some wicked man wear you out 
and try to get you to go with false gods. So you need to be very, very careful who you mix with. And who you try to. That principle applies. Come out from among them and be separate. So God tells them. You reject God again. Judgment's going to come down. And now we're in verse number. Uh, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. Verse 4. But ye did cleave unto the Lord your God. And are alive every one of you this day. You know what they're alive? How they're alive? Physically. They're alive physically. And they want to start messing with Baal Peori. God just kill them physically. Which is what he did in the Old Testament. Who's alive now? We see every one of them are keeping God's command. Look at look at um, verse number five. When you kept the law, you got your health, wealth, and prosperity in the Old Testament. Look at verse five. That ye should do so in the land. They got land. Verse six and seven. Uh, in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. The nation would be blessed. It would be a great nation. Uh, verse number 10. Uh, by the way, you want to make America great again? I don't. I want to make America born again. How about that? You want to be a great nation? You want to make America great again? How about make America born again? People need to know that we're not trying to bring forth a physical, financial wealth gospel. We're trying to bring forth a soul to bring before the Lord. So that rejoicing is happening in, in heaven and rejoicing is happening down here. Well, Tennessee won the game. Woo, everybody goes crazy. Hey, a soul got saved. What, what's for dinner? Really? We get so excited about stupid stuff. Amen. Compared to God? As if I'm supposed to even consider those other things a close second or third. They're not. But they were blessed physically. Um, they shall live upon the earth. We see that in verse number 10 at the end. They shall live upon the earth that they may teach their children. Verse number 14, the Lord commanded me that time to teach you statutes and judgment. You might do them in the land whether you go over to possess it. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. We see the Ten Commandments, verses 6 through 21. All restated here. For the sake of time, we're going to go down to verse 29. Oh, Deuteronomy 5.29, that they were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. God wanted to bless his people. He wanted to. That was his desire. Look at verse 32. Ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. Ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or the left. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you. That ye may live. And that ye may be well with you. And that ye may prolong your days. In the land which ye shall possess. 
it's all physical in nature, folks. How is this somebody's salvation? Well, they were saved in the Old Testament by keeping the law. If they were saved by keeping the law, then why would God have to say that you may prolong your days? And if I'm saved and I have eternal life, how can you expand eternal? You can't. It's completely outside of numbering of days. Our soul, if you're saved, we have eternal life. Their days were prolonged physically. You see that principle in the New Testament. Children, you got a promise from God. You obey. Dad won't kill you early on. Mom won't kill you. You're going to live. You're going to live longer. Amen. That's good preaching. <laughs> That's good preaching. Amen. All right. <laughs> now, you've probably heard this before, and I went through all that to split this hair down the middle. I've heard it. I'm sure you've heard it. Well, man was saved by the law in the Old Testament, but now in the New Testament, we're under grace. Except we just saw before the law came, there wasn't no law to be under. But you know what showed up well before the law? Grace. You know how God saves? By grace. When? The time. Based on the truth that was revealed to man at that time. We act like everybody had this. What do you think? In Acts 2, they were, they were turning to the book of Galatians? They weren't. Come on. God saves by grace. He always has and he always will. The last verse I'd like to, well, there's going to be two more, but the main verse is John 1. And I said all that to get to John 1, verse number 17. Now, stay with me. I don't want to rush through this material, but stay with me. I'm going to read the verse wrong. John chapter 1, verse 17. For the law came before grace and truth. Not what it says. You know that. But that's how we read it in our mind, in our everyday practice. If we think that God saved by the Old Testament, by the law in the Old Testament, and then by grace in the New Testament. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So it says, was given. Who did the law start with? Moses. Where was the law given to Moses? Mount Sinai. You know what you have on Mount Sinai? A new dispensing of truth given by God to Moses for that nation. That truth wasn't for us other than we're going to learn from it. We're going to understand the right use of the law. But you can go and follow the Ten Commandments and pray all you want. You're not going to have a you're not guaranteed to have the best stock of cattle in town. So we see this law was given by Moses. 
And Romans chapter 5, well, let's look at one other thing. Romans chapter 5, look at verse number 6. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely. For a righteous man will one die, but yet preventure for a good man, somebody even dare to die. But God, men of his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. One man would be Adam and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for all of sin. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, it was the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also as the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God. And the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came unto all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Adam disobeyed, we're all sinners, we're in Adam's blood. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Now watch this. Moreover, the law entered. Now, do you see that? What did the law do? It had a starting. It entered. And what does it do? It shows people they can't keep it. You got the fall, you got the flood, you got all this sin going on, you got the tower, you got defilement, you got filthiness, you got wickedness. And the law enters. It was given. Before that law entered, was there grace? <laughs> there was. And we can't miss that. Nobody was saved by keeping the law in the Old Testament, not their soul. Their life might have been preserved a little bit longer. You can't keep the law. And I can't keep the law. So for other people to be protected from us who can't keep the law and for us to be protected from other people that can't keep the law, 
God gave it to govern a people physically so we would get along and not kill each other. And as soon as you get rid of God's law, you know what happens? More murder, more adultery, more all the stuff that we see in Deuteronomy 5 and in Exodus 20 is listed as God's command. Nobody can keep the law. So how in the world are we going to be safe from each other? Man needs to be governed. Now, many of you have already raised kids, but you had rules in your house. And if your children were as smart as mine, they would have said, well, where's that in the Bible? <laughs> and you can't find some of the rules that we have as parents in the Bible. Where does it say in the Bible that there's a bedtime at 8 o'clock? Where does it say in the Bible that we have to? I don't say anywhere in the Bible. Obey your parents. <laughs> That's right. Obey your parents in the Lord. Amen. If they kept all the laws, what do you think? They're going to go to heaven? No. The most obedient child that keeps all of mom and dad's laws won't get to heaven by that law. It preserves their life while they're in the home. <laughs> they might live longer. They might not get worn out as much. They might have more blessings than curses, meaning you'll get dessert or you won't get dessert. You get to play outside longer. You won't get to play outside longer. You get some ice cream or you won't get some ice cream. What do you think? They're going to get eternal life because they kept all of your laws? Or might they're not? It's got nothing to do with that. But there has to be a way to govern the little crumb crunchers. Okay? There's got to be a way to do it. And you do it by laws and rules and commands. Join the military and you'll find out in a real way what that means. Grace is set in contrast to the law. The law came before Jesus Christ. But grace and truth, we would be reading into the text of John 1. 17 if we see if we say that grace and truth didn't come before Jesus Christ and when we look at that verse get, get Colossians 1 and John 1 and we'll and we'll wrap it up Colossians 1 and John 1 because we need to be careful how we read John 1 17 so get Colossians 1 and John 1 17 you see what it says for the law was given by Moses. We know it started with Moses. We know it entered. There was a starting point. But grace and truth, it doesn't say didn't arrive until Jesus Christ. Because grace was there and truth was there before the law of Moses was given on Mount Sinai. So we can't read that verse, but grace and truth only showed up. and It didn't show up until Jesus Christ. No, it says, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And it did. It did because he is full of truth. But look at Colossians 1. In whom we have redemption, verse 14. Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him are all things created. Huh. That's interesting. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. We know. Jesus was his name for humanity. That was the flesh. But he always was. He always was. Yeah, it came by Jesus Christ. 
He's part of the eternal Godhead. Way before the law, grace and truth were there. Then the earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. He's the eternal God. Yes, he showed up in a body of flesh. But that wasn't his starting point. Mm-hmm. Wasn't his starting point. Grace and truth were there before the law was given. And grace did come by Jesus. He revealed it. God so loved the world. He's the perfect example. We must receive him. The last verse I'll read you, then the prayer will be done, is in Romans 5. We didn't read the whole chapter. I'm going to re- read the last verse, Romans 5, 21. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.